Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. everyone and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me your host Chloe Timms. This week I'm talking to Pim Wang Tae Chawat about her literary novel The Moon Represents My Heart. Pim is a Thai Chinese writer from Bangkok. Her short stories, poems and articles have been published in various websites, literary magazines and journals. She has a degree in English literature from King's College London and graduated Edinburgh Napier University with a Master's in Creative Writing. In this episode, we discuss how she set up the rules for time travel in her novel, the challenges of writing in her second language, and what it's like when your book's optioned by Hollywood star Gemma Chan. But first, here's Pim with an excerpt from The Moon Represents My Heart. Joshua and Lily, 1988. Timing is imperative when it comes to love. Lily had always believed this. Meeting the right person does not matter if the circumstances are not aligned, if both of you are in different stages of your lives. You might be entangled for a while, sometimes even for longer than a while, but eventually the wires will always get crisscrossed or severed. It is inevitable. Timing, Lily always said, gives love wings. If Timing had not cooperated, she would not have decided to go to that New Year's Eve party at Islington on the last day of 1987. She would never have stood outside smoking by Pauline's rose bushes and met Joshua. A month or so later, if Timing had not been on her side, Pauline would not have suggested going for Chinese after class one evening, and they would not have ended up in the restaurant where Joshua worked, exactly when he was working. Lily would not have worn her yellow dress, her turquoise earrings, sat down at the table with her friends and almost gasped when he walked briskly over, a notepad and pencil in hand, ready to take their order. His eyes swept over her face and then he said, he said, just one small change. She and her friends could have gone somewhere else. He could have been assigned a different shift. Her mother could have birthed her a week later. She could have taken a wrong turn down road once and their love would never have materialized. But Joshua would disagree. Love, Joshua said, does not hinge upon timing. Instead, the opposite is true. Why fear time when fundamentally it is what you make of it? If he had not agreed to go with Kevin to that party in Islington, 
if Lily and her friends had not shown up at his restaurant a month or so later, love would find other ways to bend time to its shape, to its design. Other things would have fallen into place, on a different day, perhaps under a different sky. They would have eventually met, their lives intertwining and molding into one. Fate made it inevitable. She might even be in the same yellow dress, with turquoise in her ears, her face lighting up in surprise as their eyes met, and she would say, "She would say, 'Oh, it's you.'" Hi, Pim. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you on with me today to discuss your debut novel, The Moon Represents My Heart. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for coming. Can you start by telling us what The Moon Represents My Heart is all about? Oh, thank you. Um, so The Moon Represents My Heart is a story about a family of um, British Chinese time travelers. So the story starts when the parents, um, jo- Joshua and Lily, go back to the past on a trip. And for some unexplainable reason, they don't come back. So the story follows their children, Tommy and Eva, as they deal with the ramifications of that loss and how that affects their own ability to time travel. And we also follow the story of um, the the father, as a young man, as he um, moves from Hong Kong to the UK and how he meets his wife and they fall in love and start a family. So I always say that this book is like the Joy Luck Club meets the time traveler's wife. So it's a story about like family, loss, and just confronting our past and moving forward with hope. So mm. that's the the, the kind of the gist of it. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw this book was about time travel, I was like, yes, give it to me because I love time travel kind of stories and and it must be so exciting to have that kind of, uh, maybe daunting as well to to know you have to write about (laughs) time periods too. But I wondered, I I read that this novel kind of began life or came to you when you were at quite a reflective point in your life. And I was wondering if you can tell us what inspired this book. Um, yeah, I think what inspired it was that I was thinking a lot about, like, like you said, it was a very reflective period in my life. Also, I was thinking a lot about what makes me who I am today as a person. And what, what makes me um, just make the choices that I make in life, basically. And I found a lot of it led back to my own upbringing. And um, in particular, my relationship with my father, and by extension, his relationship with his father. So it made me really want to kind of like examine when we look back to our like our own history and our, our own past and studying how our history affects who we are in the present and how do we find a way to sort of not just kind of stew in the past and just like get like so weighed down by it, but figure out a way to accept our past, our history, um our family and what's the best way for us to like move forward with all of that kind of like baggage if that makes sense mm. yeah. and where did the or when did the time travel element come into the novel what when did you think that's what I'm going to write a time travel novel <laughs> that's a good question um I think um I think it's because I was thinking about my own history so much like my own history with my dad and also um, past relationships that I, I've had as well and I was thinking about my own losses a lot to the point where I felt like I just spent so much time thinking about the past, like too, way too much. 
And it just made me think about, oh, what would happen if someone was to become addicted to staying in the past, to addicted to traveling back in time? And like you, I've always loved time travel stories as well. Like I'm not a big sci-fi reader, but I've loved like movies and shows that has like the element of time travel. So I've always wanted to use time travel to explore that aspect of human emotion, like the loss and the longing and all of that. So I felt like when I was thinking about my own past a lot, I felt like, oh, yeah, what if someone were to become addicted to just like staying in the past and not not being rooted in the present? So I think that that helps me like um, come up with the premise of the story. Yeah, absolutely. Because this novel is a lot about grief and loss, and I want to touch in, in a moment. But let's let's talk about the time travel element a little bit more. Because I guess you and the parents very much at the beginning kind of set up the rules of like, do not speak, do not say this, or this is what you have to say yeah. in this particular moment. Did you have to kind of come up with your own like time travel rules about what your characters yes. could and could not do? So, can it explain? <laughs> Explain to us how you kind of decided how your time travel was going to work then. Oh, that was really hard. <laughs> I definitely had to um come up with my own rules. And I think what helped a lot is I watch, maybe this is not the best kind of research. I remember I had my mentor who was like, oh, maybe you should read the Stephen Hawking's book, um, A Brief oh, History no. of Time. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great su- suggestion, but no. <laughs> so, so basically, all I do is I did a lot of reading and write, um, reading and watching a lot of time travel stories. So I lot I read many um novels like um I think I'm trying to remember the name. How How We Lose the Time War is one of those books, and Before the Coffee Gets Cold, this um this Japanese book that got translated in, into English, um. I watch um about time is a huge in, um, inspiration the movie the Richard Curtis movie, um and also Doctor Who I'm a big Doctor Who fan so my my favorite two episodes of Doctor Who is the David um David Tennant episode Blink with Carrie Mulligan with the Weeping Angels and also um oh you've seen it I love Doctor Who so yeah uh, I love, and also um the Matt Smith episode Vincent and the Doctor where he goes back in time and sees Vincent Van Gogh yeah so so basically I did a lot of that that was my research and I basically um wanted the time travel to be rooted in emotions and themes and the characters themselves so basically I tried to come up with rules that would help facilitate what my characters would go through like, mm. as a journey so I wanted to strip out as much of the science as possible to make it kind of easy for the readers to follow as well and keep the core of the story being on like on the characters so so in the books uh, this is not a spoiler but for example like each family member has a different like time traveling ability like for some of them they can go to a very specific time period why the other like um the the daughter eva can go back to um the timelines of her immediate family member while the son tommy can only go back to like the 30s and 40s in like london so i wanted the so for those rules i basically based those rules uh according to the characters themselves like what they what are they passionate about or what's the history that matters the most to them so I try to like make the rules so I I do have rules but I tr- try to not make them get to like weighed down by science 
and tie them as much as I can to the characters. Yeah, it's beautifully done. And, and the way you write, particularly when the characters travel back in time, your language is very lyrical and, and on the page, it looks kind of very poetic and kind of fragmentary. And I and I really love that because it, it just, it's almost like giving you kind of snapshots of the world in a really beautiful way. And and I, I wondered what was behind that decision because I know you've written poetry and I wondered whether you kind of, was when you wanted to bring some of that into a novel oh first of all thank you so much that's so amazing to hear because I uh, when you said snapshots that's exactly what I try to like that was my intention to make it seem like snapshots like memories like fragmented memories um <laughs> when you said I write poetry I feel like my poetry is very um <laughs> it's very it's basically my like I don't know it's like my little like I don't even want to call it a side hustle, but it's basically <laughs> my outlet, my outlet to vent about my love life. So it's kind of, it's not anything highbrow. It's just like, oh, it's raining today. I stare out the window. He broke my heart. Kind of like poetry. <laughs> it's not, it's not great. But but for this book, um, I read um this great uh, memoir by um this poet called Yisa Daly Ward. I think she's from Manchester. So uh, the memo is called The Terrible. So it's written about her life growing up and her like coming of age. So it's it's kind of nonfiction. So it's memoir, but she wrote all of it in like poetry form. So she did a lot of like experimental stuff with her prose. And when I read that, it sort of blew my mind because I felt like, oh, wow, you can really tell like a quote unquote prose story um, using like poetry like techniques and um and like the, the rhythm the rhythm of the sentences and how sentences and paragraphs are, are broken up can really affect the emotion of the prose in a way that that's that adds another layer to it so I wanted to like apply all of those especially the time travel scenes because I don't I want to really create this like visceral reaction for the readers like when they're in the past that they can really feel oh this is traveling back in time and it's not just another like typical scene so that's uh, yeah so just the terrible was a huge inspiration I've not read that but it sounds amazing and and I love I love the way your your kind of time travel sections look on the page but also the way they read and I, I I kind of feel like as well because of the way they're written you almost zip along them quite fast, which is almost like traveling yourself in a, in a strange way. Yeah. It was a it was a a great decision to make. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about um the themes that you explored in this novel, because obviously grief and loss are so vital to yeah. the story, particularly um when the parents go go missing at the at the at the beginning of the novel is is like a a death almost. Can you tell us about why you chose those particular themes to explore? I think um, one of the main reasons was that when I first started writing the book, um, my grandfather just passed away a couple of years ago. And the the year he passed away was also the, the year that my dad got diagnosed with cancer. So it was a very, like, so I had to, it was a lot, a bit of like, it's a grief, grief of a certain, like, kind that you had to deal with with that and so and I feel like in my past I've also had like other losses in life not necessarily not sometimes loss doesn't really mean that people 
passing away it also means like people not being in your life anymore like people you love just like you fall out of touch with or something happens and they can no longer be in your life and I do feel like those kind of things like love and loss go hand in hand so and I felt like when I was going through that reflective period what I was really struggling with was how to come to terms with those losses and how do I find new relationships and new connections while knowing that there is a risk of loss again so I think that's part of that's I think that's a huge reason like my grandfather and also my own experiences um why I wanted to like touch on these things in the book it's kind of like my own journey in a way playing out on the page through other characters (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think your the kind of emotional core of the novel comes across probably because you were feeling it so strongly as you were writing it as well I wanted to kind of go back in time ourselves and talk about how you came to this point in your life how did you um get to this point and in your publishing journey have you always wanted to write a novel had you always been kind of working away on something your whole life (laughs) um I've always loved storytelling because as a child I loved like watching movies and I loved reading so much because I would read all the time like when I was young like my uh, when I was eating dinner when I was walking through the mall I would like read my parents had to sit me down and be like you're reading too much you have to like, <laughs> engage with the world so when I was young I would write like little stories for my siblings and sometimes I would just tell stories to myself it sounds kind of insane but I would like bounce a tennis ball around and tell stories to myself yeah it's yeah it's a bit unhinged and then, <laughs> when I started growing up um I wrote quite a bit of fan fiction so I I wrote quite a bit of fan fiction and um, there was a period when I was working as a freelancer. So I would write articles on um, movie criticism, culture, TV show criticism and stuff like that. So I've always loved, um, like I said, storytelling, analyzing storytelling and all of that. And um but I've always wanted to write a novel because I loved reading so much. So, mm. but I've never like seriously written like a long form thing, not counting a very long fan fiction story that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never written like a finish a whole novel until like Moon. So mm. I did my postgrad degree in creative writing because I really like reached a point where I felt like, okay, I really need to make this dream happen. So coming from Thailand you really have no idea how to do any of this like what the pathway is so I took the course I took the postgrad course at Edinburgh Napier in Scotland and that really helped me to a like finish the book like craft the book finish it and b like get it published life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So how did you come to get your agent and so was it? after you'd done the the course that you then started pursuing agents um yes so the book um the novel is actually the novel started as the um dissertation or like the major project for my postgrad yes so for our program we need to like we need to have like I think like 20k or 30k of the novel done and a chapter outline of what happens from beginning to end. So when the course finished, I had that. And then I just continued writing until the book was the book finished. And then when I had the finished book, I started querying for agents. And that's how I got uh, my wonderful agent, Liza. So I think like I finished it the first draft in like November. I got November 2020 like, and I got Liza around like, june 2021 mm-hmm. so i like clean it up and then like send it out and yeah so and then lisa helped me get one well to publish the book so yay and how <laughs> yeah yeah exactly how quickly was it from getting your agent to getting your book deal was it was it a quite a quick kind of submission process or did that take a long time luckily mine was quite quick so i got liza in like I said, June 2021, my deal with One Well was confirmed around like October 2021. So I got Liza, we edited it together and then we sent it out. So yeah, so it was quite just a few months. So yeah, so I'm, yeah, it's very fortunate. (laughs) And I'm imagining that you are not allowed to talk much about this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because- amazing exciting absolutely incredible news you your novel is being made into a tv show with Gemma chan she's starring in it and she's producing in it producing it um tell us tell us about that tell us about finding out about that and i i mean I, I know you probably can't tell us anything but are you involved at all or did you decide that was going to be someone else's job what, what's the uh, what's the situation there yeah, so the book has been optioned. So what it means is that um someone has the rights to turn it into like a TV show, like a limited series. So um 
most people would understand that it's like getting made for sure but we don't like anything can go wrong in Hollywood like not yeah. wood like <laughs> fingers crossed so hopefully we get to the stage of it getting made but um right now like the signs are good it's moving at a steady pace um not including the strike <laughs> the strike in Hollywood but yes but so um how we got we how that happened is so surreal um I got uh, my publisher in like I guess that October and in December um Liza sent the book my Liza my agent sent sent the book um to um a film agent in LA her name is Tara Tominsky she's amazing and she sent it out to like a bunch of people in Hollywood and Gemma's team got the book and then Gemma read it during Christmas and she like related to it because there's so much it's a British Chinese family and her dad is also from Hong Kong and all that so she read it and then she like got in touch watching to option the book and so we had her on board and since we had her on board it was like production companies were interested and eventually we landed with um 21 laps who made stranger things and netflix so and they seem very excited about the project and very passionate about it and um so far we um in the process of like getting a script together and i they've been very kind like including me in the process like letting me um provide feedback on like the adaptation and yeah, so it's been a very surreal, very like crazy, mm. crazy experience. And I'm trying not to get like too ahead of myself and be like, okay, let's just take it one step at a time. But yeah, it's definitely very mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, like you yeah. said, it's one of those things where people hear options and they they think it's gonna be on TV and in the next months, but these things take a long time. But Yes. hopefully fingers crossed we'll, we'll see it at some point um yeah. I'd love to know a little bit more about you as a writer and what kind of what things about writing do you find difficult what what do you have to kind of um really work at what's your what's your kind of number one thing that you you wish you didn't have to go through when you were writing oh <laughs> so um yeah I think what kind of writer am I um I'm writing in my second language so that is that is a big challenge in in and of it, mm. itself I think yeah. like most people think I'm um Asian American or I'm I grew up in the UK I've lived in the UK but I've I was born in Thailand I was raised in Thailand so um uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing in my second language that can be um and that's an interesting thing <laughs> and I also um I write I feel like I'm a very emotive writer if that makes sense I uh I would say that I'm very fascinated by the themes that are in this novel like I really I feel like a lot of my writing is about like loss about longing about um female isolation those are those are themes that I f- find are very close to my heart and um I really want to add a, a hint of like hope in my writing. And I hope that when people read my writing, they they feel connected to someone and they feel like there's hope. So that's a very important part of why I write. And I think my uh, my strengths are definitely 
like characters and emotion and atmosphere like I'm a very like vibesy writer I don't know what <laughs> the right word is I'm like a Terrence Malick <laughs> kind of like like my yeah it's just vibes no plot <laughs> yeah, yeah and I feel like, worst, yeah. I think, like why do we have to have like some complicated plot why can't <sighs> be in a room talking or you know <laughs> yeah I do feel like my weaknesses are definitely like plot and action and I really and that's an area I really want to get better at for, like my next book like I really want it to, I, I really want to like uh, improve that side of my writing I feel like I actually have like limited imagination that's why I have trouble with plot and action but but yeah so that's I think that that sums me up as a writer <laughs> I wouldn't agree I don't think you've got limited imagination at all <laughs> <laughs> so I know nice. I know one thing that you do um kind of outside of your writing is that you are very passionate about working and inspiring kind of underprivileged Thai youths. Can you tell us what work you're doing outside of your writing or including your writing to kind of mm-hmm. inspire uh, young people through writing? Yeah, I wish I was doing more and I wish and I actually don't think I'm doing as much as I want to be doing at just yet but really I really hope I can get that in the future but yeah um I'm very passionate about that because like obviously growing up in Thailand we aren't taught to write or to engage with literature or storytelling in a way that you guys would get to in like the west for example like um in Thailand in our schools um we don't really read books or we don't really have like this like essay writing culture like it's basically like the teacher like an example is like a teacher would come in, they would write stuff on the back blackboard and they will just copy it down, memorize it and then do the exams. So we're not very, we're not really taught to channel our creativity, to explore it or to apply critical thinking to a piece of art at all. So, and I feel like writing is a great tool to help um, young people discover who they are or to express the emotions or express um, what they're going through in life even though they might not might not become writers like professionally it's still a very helpful tool so in the past I've done um, mentoring sessions like one-on-one mentoring with young Thai writers so I work with them um, so they bring what they're working on like a project to me and we like discuss it go through it together that was really amazing and I've done um workshops and like talks with young people and help and basically using writing to help them like get in touch with their emotions get in touch with who they are as people and yeah I really hope to do more of those workshops in the future so when I'm whenever I'm in Thailand I um I'm like really aiming to like get more of those like events out there so people can like um so young people can come join and engage with that yeah Mm, absolutely I always think doing kind of workshops and mentoring is just so rewarding and it's it's a lovely part of the kind of uh an adjacent role to the writing it's a really yeah. interesting thing to do yeah and also in Thailand we don't really um have a pathway for people who are like creatives there's there's more and more of it right now but it's still very limited compared to like the UK so Pim I was wondering what for you has been kind of the most challenging or difficult part of the publishing process 
there I think a lot of writers find that the the journey from when you sign your contract to when your book is out is full of ups and downs and is a real roller coaster is there anything that you think you've learned in that time that you would like to kind of say right if you if if to the next cohort of (laughs) if I could advise them with one thing this is what I'd say what what would be what would be your advice (sighs) I don't know if I'm, if I'm equipped to advise anyone, <laughs> but, but I feel like what I've learned the most is probably like um, the imposter syndrome doesn't go away. Like at first, like when um, the goal is like, oh, getting your book published, like somehow that would like validate whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you get your book published, it doesn't, you just you you just discover new things that you worry about and you discover new doubts about yourself and your work. So I think if I were to give advice, I think it would just be what I'm trying to tell myself as well to write what you're passionate about, like write what's in your heart and just, yeah, if someone reads it, like one person or two people and they connect with the work and they see themselves in the work, then I think that's, that's already worthwhile. Like it's a very competitive industry. So it's very easy for you to kind of look at what you don't have compared to like other writers, etc. So I think it's very um that's what I'm trying to do. It's very I think it's very important for us to like keep it about why we write in the first place. Mm. Even though that's that can be very difficult when it comes to, you know, like publishing, marketing and all of that yeah absolutely like you said it is it is tricky to almost blank out everyone else and just concentrate on what's happening for you and enjoy the things happening for you when you're looking at other people and thinking oh okay their book's doing really well is my book doing well like what's you know yeah yeah it is tricky um yeah that's good advice yeah have you read a yellow face i have oh my goodness it's amazing (laughs) Yes, I feel like that's a very um accurate or very yeah. uh, not 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 it's not kind far of, from reality. Yeah, it's kind of brutally honest. Um maybe if you're maybe if you're thinking about being published, maybe you should read the other things. Yes. <laughs> dose I think, of reality. Yeah. I think the author called it like a horror story about the publishing industry. <laughs> Yeah, but you know the amount of people that I know who who have read it and are like highlighting passages, and then you know yeah. sending it to your like kind of your fellow writing friends, going this this is a bit too close to to accuracy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I read I read it on the week of my publication, like on the oh, week leading okay. out to my publication. I was reading, and I'm like, maybe this is not the best book to read. Yeah, yeah this week. <laughs> so. Finally, Pim, can you tell us anything? I know you've just finished your first draft, so can you tell us anything uh, about what's next? What are you working on? Uh, so my second book is very different to Moon. So it's very contained and it's a smaller scale book. So it's about two people and it's uh, it's about like um, two people forming a connection. It's supposed to be a love story. So it's about like a love story that kind of like explores um the connection between um love and fear and like anxiety <laughs> sounds fun <laughs> quite tragic 
but yeah so that's that's the second book it's yeah it's a love story it's like a yeah it's like a romance maybe maybe not a love story but like a romance nice. about love yeah oh that sounds great and and uh, it's interesting that it's so different from your first book but um your writing is beautiful so I look forward to reading it whatever whatever the genre oh thank you so much that's very kind Pim thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today oh it's my pleasure thank you so much for having me that was Pim Wang Te Chawat talking about her literary novel The Moon Represents My Heart which is out now and available to buy And if you'd like to support this podcast, debut authors and independent bookshops, you can now shop in the Confessions of a Debut Novelist bookshop hosted by bookshop.org, which I've linked down below in the show notes. If you fancy buying any of the books you've heard on this podcast, then the majority of them can be found in this bookshop. And if you can, I would really appreciate you supporting me, supporting the authors and independent bookshops by buying them through this online store. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you've subscribed already, it'd be great if you could leave me a review. See you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.